I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Sports on a Sunday Morning. There's a swing and a long one. That's a goner for Bader. Touchdown, Kansas City. Johnson pops a three. Hey. Presented by Brown Crouppen. Brown Crouppen, 222-2222. Oh, the Bayou Billiken says I'm involved too. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Sports on a Sunday Morning. I'm Mike Claiborne, and uh, it'll be you and me for the next two hours. And then we've got some football coming your way later in the afternoon with the Kansas City Chiefs and St. Louis University basketball will come your way later this evening as the Billikens will be up in Minnesota to take on the Golden Gophers, and we'll get to all that a little later. But in the meantime, let's run down a few headlines of what took place yesterday in the world of sports, and we'll start off with college football. Locally, uh, well, Missouri, they wanted to have a better end to their season, but it didn't work out that way as they lost to Mississippi State. Five and five is their record for the year. You know what? To be honest with you, considering everything that unfolded, a new coach, no real spring practices, COVID, the whole nine yards, got off to a rocky start. Five and five is something I'm sure they didn't anticipate, and I'm not sure they're going to accept it, but it's something I think is a good step in the right direction. We'll visit with Eli Drinkwitz a little later in the show, get his thoughts not only on his team, but also what's in front of them, because they are certainly being discussed as a bowl participant. Uh, There's a few schools that are going to be involved in that, and we hopefully we'll have some bowl games. But in the meantime, uh, an interesting year, and I know there were a lot of people excited about the recruiting signings of this week. I'm not that guy, Okay. Uh, I think that recruiting is obviously important. It's probably the most important thing you have when it comes to college sports. But when we have all these so-called rankings, we don't know if any of these kids can really play. And I I think sometimes we lead ourselves down a a path that really doesn't end well because kids, as we know, we've all been a kid at one point. We make decisions that maybe don't help our future. Maybe they don't want to play. Maybe they're not as good. Maybe they get hurt. So I think what we should look at is them bringing in some talent that they feel can help. How soon they can help, well, we'll keep our fingers crossed on it. But uh, it's something that certainly Missouri was looking forward to doing. But I'll ask you this question as well. In all the years you follow sports, 
there are two things that are for sure you're always going to hear. When it's the NFL draft, you're always going to hear the, the general manager and the coaches say, we can't believe this guy was on the board when it was our turn to draft, even if he's the first pick of the draft. And in college sports, when the recruiting period is over, I've yet to meet a coach that didn't tell me that everybody on the board that they wanted to get, they were ended up able to end up signing. So it's more coach speak than anything else, but it is something that obviously is important. So let's keep our fingers crossed that these young people will turn out to be successful players and students at the University of Missouri. Speaking of college football, how about Illinois? They went out and signed Brett Bielma. Now, you remember Brett Bielma from his days at Wisconsin and also at Arkansas. He was coaching in the NFL the last couple of years and was with the Giants recently. So he's going to take over to Illinois, a six-year deal. I hope he doesn't take him six years to turn it around, but we'll wait and see. Lon Tay is going to join us later. Lon Tay has been up in Champaign for all of his life, and there's not much that doesn't go on in Champaign, Illinois, that he doesn't know about. So we'll get his thoughts on that situation on the football side in Illinois basketball. They're in action this afternoon. They have Rutgers on the schedule, so we'll get a chance to get his thoughts on that as well. How about championship bowl, uh, championship football last night and yesterday? Was not impressed with Ohio State. Notre Dame, it must be something in the, on the calendar that after December 15th, they just aren't the same team they thought they were. Uh, they were lucky that Clemson didn't really run it up on them. Uh, they didn't look good yesterday. I thought Clemson was okay. Alabama, uh, they may have a little problem on defense, but they can sure score. And I don't know if there's another team out there that's going to be able to score more than them at this point. So they look like they're going to be the number one team. But the team that I thought may have had the biggest impact was Texas A&M. You look at their schedule, a very solid schedule in the SEC. They had one loss. Uh, you look at what they did to UT yesterday, Tennessee. They could have really run it up on Tennessee, especially late, but they didn't. And I think they didn't want to fall prey to the whole thing where if we run it up, the voters will say, wow, look at them. They hung 60 on somebody. They didn't do it yesterday. I think Texas A&M should be in the uh, in the playoffs. And we'll find out about that later this evening as uh, the bids will go out tonight as far as who's going to be one of the four teams. But I got news for you. Somebody's not going to be happy later tonight because they won't be in and you'll hear every excuse in the world on why they didn't get in. Hey, St. Louis University, they are in action. They have their first road game tonight. They're going to play Minnesota. We're going to hear from the voice of the Billikens, Bob Ramsey, a little later in the show. We'll get his thoughts on what's going on. Also, we'll hear from Chris May. You know, athletic directors at this point in college sports really have their hands full. And you pick the sport, whether it's football or basketball. You're trying to keep players healthy. You're trying to find games. You're trying to have contingency plans. You want fans in your facility. So we'll get a chance to talk with Chris May, get his thoughts on what the direction might be, not only for St. Louis U, but what he sees around college sports. All right, another thing going on, Kansas City Chiefs football. They have a game today. It's going to be a good one. New Orleans Saints, they're a pretty good football team. Drew Brees is supposed to be back. It's going to be a scuffle for sure, and we'll visit with Danon Hughes. He's a color analyst for the Chiefs. We'll get his thoughts on what he looks for from the Chiefs and what they're going to have to do because I got news for you. Everybody shows up, and they want to try and pin it on Kansas City, so we'll see how the Chiefs deal with this afternoon's play against New Orleans. As we mentioned, we're going to hear from Chris May. Michael Hall is going to join us also. Michael Hall with Cardinals Care from the St. Louis Cardinals, in case you haven't heard. The winter warm-up is on, but it's going to be a virtual winter warm-up. So we'll get Michael's uh, view on how that's going to shake out. I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to it. 
you know, COVID has changed our roadmaps quite a bit this year. And there's some things that, well, we weren't we weren't necessarily gung ho about that. We found it, eh, it wasn't that bad. We're going to see how this is going to unfold with the winter warm up. So we'll talk with him. And also, how about Jeremy Rutherford? We'll talk some hockey because hockey, well, they've made some decisions about their direction. The Blues lost a good player this week to retirement in Alexander Steen. So we'll visit with Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic. He's coming your way after we take our first break. So we've got a busy show today. We hope you will be able to stick around for as long enough as you can. And we'll have a lot of fun, and we hope you will too. So I'm Mike Claiborne. This is Sports on a Sunday Morning on your voice for the Cardinals and the St. Louis University Billikens and the Kansas City Chiefs today, KMOX. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning, presented by Brown Crouppen. Brown Crouppen, 222-2222, on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back, everyone. 1017 on a Sunday morning. I'm Mike Claiborne. We go to the guest line and standing by is Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic, that fine publication, and he covers hockey uh, locally for the St. Louis Blues, and He's pretty much in tune with what's going on within the NHL. So, Jr. first of all, thank you for joining us. I hope you and your family are staying safe at this uh, very challenging time of our lives. Yes, we are, and I hope you are, too. And thanks for having me, Mr. Mike Claiborne. Well, it's been a while since we've had a chance to talk, and since then it, it appears that we have a deal in place between players and owners with regard to the season coming up. Yeah, it does. Uh, it looks like uh, they tentatively agreed to that on Friday. There will be a Board of Governors uh, meeting slash vote today at 11, followed by a meeting with the general managers and the league, and they'll probably spell out all the, the protocol, and uh, we could have an announcement as soon as today on, on the upcoming season. Well, I know I'll be looking forward to reading your work on that. But with that said, um, one of the things that stands out is the fact that it's a reduced schedule. Uh, what I've, I'm hearing, 56 games. Uh, why such a reduction? Yeah, 56 games. You know, they, they obviously pushed the start of the season back from October until January. It looks like training camp will start on January 3rd. Uh, the season will start on January 13th if this gets approved. And they want to wrap up uh, the Stanley Cup before July. That's when the Olympics will begin and everybody's attention uh, will turn there. And and obviously the TV stations, uh, the networks uh, will focus on the Olympics. So they wanted to wrap up before then. So uh, that thus led to the condensed schedule. You're looking at 56 games. The Blues will play in the Pacific Division. And uh, you'll play each opponent eight times. So the Blues will see a lot of the likes of uh, Vegas and Colorado, which means you see the old captain, Alex Petrangelo. Well, you know what? I, I, I want to ask you about that because I, I know that the alignment was kind of a, a, a flag, a red flag to some. You know, if you're the St. Louis Blues, you say, all right, you know, we're going to have a chance to play Arizona, the Kings, the Ducks, the Sharks, uh, some teams that are trying to rebuild and trying to develop. And whenever you're not sure how good your hockey club is, you're also going to face uh, Colorado and, and Las Vegas. It's a pretty good situation aside from the travel and the fact that we'll be up uh, late at night for a lot of games on, on the West Coast. Yeah, there are some pros and cons. And I know number one on, on the con list uh, for a lot of people is going to be the late start times. But, uh, you know, I broke it down a little bit. If they do end up playing, you know, the 56 games, 28 at home, 20 on the road, if they end up playing 28 road games, uh, you're talking about a max of 16 games that start at Pacific time. And I think uh, there's going to be fewer because I think they're going to accommodate these central teams by starting some of these games earlier because uh, they don't have fans in the seats. So, you know, they don't have to start them at 7 in L.A., which means 9 in, in St. Louis. 
And then also you're going to have some weekend network games, so there's going to be fewer than 16. But if you're the Blues, I think they welcomed going to the Pacific uh, for a couple of reasons. You're going to go to these uh, cities and, and go on these trips for eight to ten days potentially, and uh, the good warm weather, uh, things they can do outside as, as a team, I think they welcomed uh, rather than going to the Central Division. So uh, some pros and cons on both sides, but I think the Blues are very happy with this and, in fact, uh, somewhat campaigned for it. Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic is our guest here on KMOX. And, and Jeremy, when you think about the schedule and how the travel will come into play, I, I was also told that there was some discussion about them maybe having like a baseball format where you'd play Arizona for three games in a row, uh, move on and play somebody else and, and try and get it done in that manner just to kind of, I guess, prevent the opportunity for COVID to set in and hopefully the vaccinations will, will be in place enough for enough people that you won't have that issue. But are you hearing some other different structures along with what are the Canadian teams going to do? Because Canada is basically saying, once you leave, you got to go, you, you can't stay here. So what's going to happen to the Canadian teams and where are they going to play? Yeah. So first the structure of the trips and we'll hear it officially later on, but I guess what we've been hearing for a couple of weeks now is that uh, you will go to a city and play a team twice. I haven't heard three times, uh, maybe twice, uh, but, you know, if you're going to L.A., play the Kings twice, you know, maybe back-to-back or in a couple-day span, you know, play uh, Anaheim and then go up and play San Jose. So the potential, let's just say, to go to the West Coast and and play uh, six games against just three teams. And then with the Canadian teams, uh, that's a little bit murky because uh, what we've been led to believe recently, Mike, is that uh, there'd be the Canadian division, so you'd have all – seven teams and they would just travel and play each other inside of Canada but there's been some uh, negotiations between the Blues and the Can- I'm sorry the NHL and the Canadian government in terms of whether they're going to allow those teams to move around like that within the country so forget about going across the border uh, there's some question about uh, moving around uh, Canada so uh, it depends on how that's decided they might have a hub in Canada uh, where uh, all those teams would go and play. And that's still being talked about, and obviously will be decided uh, when they have this vote. So so we'll see. But as it stands, as of the past couple of weeks, Mike, uh, they've been looking at the Canadian division along with three U.S.-based divisions. Is there a chance that the bubble may return? I don't think so. I don't think that that would get approved by the players. They weren't too fond of it when, uh, when they, they did the return to play uh, for the playoffs. And I think what you could see if uh, you're not allowed to play in, in all the various cities, like we've seen the Bay Area has a lot of restrictions on, on what they can do out there. Um, you could see hub cities. And to me, there's a difference between uh, hub and bubble. Hub, uh, you, you have multiple teams coming to the same city and playing games, but you're not locked down in that bubble atmosphere with limited things to do like they were in Edmonton and Toronto for the playoffs. You know, just to think down the road here, every league always likes expansion when they need some new some new cash. Uh, has there ever been any discussion about maybe Kansas City or Portland, Oregon, or cities that don't have an NHL team possibly hosting some of these games just to kind of get a, a feel for it? Now, as you mentioned, there may not be fans allowed in the buildings, but is that something that's been considered? You know, it's been talked about uh, over the years playing some some games in, in those cities. And, in fact, the Blues have played some exhibition games over the years in Kansas City. But in terms of what you're you're talking about, uh, these games because of the pandemic and because of the situation that the NHL is in, playing these games in those cities, no, I haven't heard anything like that. I think they've been focused on putting these games back in the empty arenas of the NHL cities uh, themselves. And then, uh, if not, then, then picking 
uh, a particular hub city, as I was talking about earlier, to bring those multiple teams to, but have, have not heard anything about the likes of uh, Kansas City or Portland. Jeremy Rutherford, uh, the St. Louis Blues uh, had a retirement this week. Alexander Steen, after over a thousand games in his career, uh, he's given everything he's been able to as far as his body is concerned, and his body just wouldn't allow him to continue. Uh, one of the things I always remind people, don't look at his stats. If you want to look at the games that he played, I think that's a monumental task in its own right. But the fact that I thought Alexander Steen might have been as good of a two-way player as we've seen the Blues uniform in the last 25 years, as far as everything he could do. We, if you put him up on a top line, he could help you. He was a very good defender, maybe one of the most consistent skaters this organization seen during his tour of duty. Uh, he did a lot of things to this organization, and I don't think we've seen the last of Alexander Steen. Mike, I think he's he's been underrated. I know he's been appreciated by a lot of people in St. Louis, but I think underrated. And, and partly that because is because he's so versatile. So when you're a Blues team and you don't have a shot on the power play, a point shot uh, like the Blues didn't have for several years, you, you put Alexander Steen there, and he might not be Al McKinnis, but you put him there because he can do it. If you need a net front presence, you know Alexander Steen might not be that guy, uh, but he goes there, and so so you put him there, and and he's on the power play, he, he's on the penalty kill. You know, I think one of the best two-way centers uh, and, and wingers, he, he especially played uh, more on the wing, uh, but that type of two-way center that, 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 that we see, uh, I think he's been terrific uh, defensively and done everything the team's asked, been so versatile, moved up and down the lineup. And, Mike, when I think of Alexander Steen, I think about uh, the Stanley Cup year, Craig Berube going to him and saying, we need you on that fourth line, give him an identity. And when he did uh, willingly – Mike, uh, I think it spoke to the rest of the team. They said, if this guy's willing to do this, uh, we all need to do our part and chip in. And I think that was a, a part of that Stanley Cup run that now people are uh, understanding what was a huge part of Alexander Steen's contribution. So uh, I think that uh, this guy, now that he retires, people look back and see what he did and realize uh, that, that he was uh, just the jack of all trades. Final two questions for Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic. Um, there's some money available now. What do you think the Blues will do with it? And also, are there any attractive free agents to maybe address a need the Blues may have going into training camp? Yeah, so a little bit of money, and uh, that's freed up because uh, Alexander Steen's 5.75 cap hit, 5.75 million cap hit, will go into long-term injury reserve money that the Blues are able to spend because they know that Alexander Steen's not coming back. However, they're over the cap as we speak, and they still need to sign Vince Dunn. So if Vince Dunn signs a contract, let's just say in the neighborhood of about $2.5 million, that's going to leave the Blues with about $2 million in cap space. Doug Armstrong mentioned a couple days ago there are some things that he can do. He can, he can add players, but they're going to have to move some money around. They're going to have to uh, shed some salary. Uh, so I think there is a chance that Doug Armstrong could add one of the names that, that keeps getting tossed around. He's a goal scorer, Mike. It's, uh, it's Mike Hoffman. Uh, terrific player, uh, but you know, is he going to cost five, six million dollars? He might not coming out of this uh, pandemic situation in terms of what pay players are being paid right now. So I think he's a bit out of the blues uh, price range. However, you know, with Doug Armstrong, he's shown it in the past. He can move around players. He can make a trade. Uh, they've got some depth on, on defense. He could open up a, a situation where they could add a player like that. And, uh, and I think they could use one. 
We shall see. Hey, Jeremy, it's always great to visit with you, man. Keep up the great work with The Athletic, man. You have been my hockey Bible, so to say. So uh, keep that up. May you and your family have a very safe and enjoyable Christmas holiday season because you're going to work, my friend, before you know it. Yeah, I can't wait. Thanks for the kind words, Mike. I always uh, love coming on with you, and uh, happy holidays to you and your family. Thank you, sir. Have a great one. He's Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to have a chance to talk a little Kansas City Chief football. Danon Hughes, a color analyst and a really good player in his day, is going to join us here on KMOX after we take this time out. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning, presented by Brown Crouppen. Brown Crouppen, 222-2222, on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. 33 after the hour of 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Let's talk some pro football. This this next guest was a pretty good player at Iowa and played in the NFL, but I know as an analyst, Danon Hughes, you have to be licking your chops just wondering what your career would have been like if you would have been in this Kansas City Chief offense. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. How you doing? Yeah, I, I, uh, it would have been Christmas morning as we come upon Christmas. <laughs> This week, it would have been Christmas morning every day catching balls from Patrick Mahomes so, and Andy Reid with the offense and Eric the enemy. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that would have been that would have been lovely. <laughs> you, you know what? They would have probably had to tear the uniform off of you at this point. You know, they, Dana, you're, you're too old, man. You can't keep going out there anymore. But, yeah, but I can still catch passes, though. I mean, it's got to be fun. And we had that same experience here in St. Louis uh, with the greatest show on turf a few years ago where yeah. every play was one that you just couldn't wait for because it was going to be something exciting and and with what Mr. Mahomes is doing. But I, I think the other element that probably doesn't get as much discussion is how important the running game has been because you've got a couple of guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield. They can certainly run the football. And I love their pass protection. I've seen them make some pretty good blocks to give Mahomes just another half a second of time to find an open receiver. Yeah, they've been very impressive uh, considering some of the injuries that we sustained uh, on the offensive line to to consider that they've been able to keep Patrick Mahomes relatively clean for most of the season. I mean, we're, we're talking about a revolving door with this offensive line. Uh, this week, there's still some questions in regards to Eric Fisher. He'll play, but, you know, we'll see how his durability. We have our three top, top tackles all with back injuries. And Mitchell Schwartz has been out for most of this season with the back injury. Eric Fisher has sustained. Mike Remmers, who filled in for uh, uh, Mitchell Schwartz, has been down with a back injury, and he's out today. So, yeah, considering that situation, this offensive line should definitely be applauded for how they've been able to be uh, still serviceable with the greatest quarterback in the NFL. So, uh, yeah, Patrick Mahomes does an outstanding job, and you mentioned that in regards to his ability to scan the field, feel the pocket, and buy time. And we see a lot of running quarterbacks. We've seen a lot of athletic quarterbacks. Uh, I think Kurt Warner, like you said, in regards to the greatest show on turf, really did a nice job. He wasn't really a run threat, but when he had to buy time for his receivers to get open, he knew how to do that. And one other attribute that I, from a wide receiver standpoint, uh, that is so impressive with this offense and Patrick Mahomes is a lot of quarterbacks, they scramble for either to run or they scramble to dump. He scrambles to throw deep. And as a wide receiver, a former wide receiver, that's, again, like Christmas morning, 
because I know that I can be a viable receiver even if I was number three or number four in the progression on the backside because he has the arm strength to hit every throw. Danon Hughes of the Kansas City Broadcast Team is our guest here on KMOX. And Danon, you know, every week, uh, every team gets up for a Super Bowl champion. And and aside from the talent that you have on this team, what are some of the keys that you think have been for the Chiefs to be able to not only take the other guy's best punch, but still be able to keep it moving in the right direction? You know, it's interesting because you would think after 50 years of a Super Bowl drought and then winning the Super Bowl that these guys would be content. They're already going to go down in Kansas City history uh, probably half the team, we may have to build a whole nother level to the stadium just so we can have the team's <laughs> names on the ring of honor. Uh, and, and yet from, from February, March, it was all about the slogan, run it back. They have been absolutely focused on running it back and getting a second Super Bowl. And when you watch them play, and I know a lot of people have kind of criticize them in regards to playing close games, allowing teams to get back in the game. They've done that. Carolina Panthers, uh, the Buccaneers last week against the Dolphins, uh, the Raiders, uh, several games where they've been able to get victories, but they were closer than people would have been comfortable with. And I can tell they just have a calmness and an attitude and an expectation to win. I mean, when you watch them, there's no – screaming on the sidelines. There's no, uh, you know, frantic kind of play, desperation type of play or what have you. I mean, there's times we close games, Travis Kelsey's on the sideline rubbing Andy Reid's shoulders. And, and you know, the, they're, they're, just, <laughs> they're just relaxed and they know how to play the game and they don't get flustered. And I think that's the difference between this team and a lot of teams that they played against. I think there's times where other teams just are surprised that, whoa, it's fourth quarter, we're – we're within one touchdown of this team, and then they don't know how to handle it. And the Chiefs absolutely do know how to handle it. The New Orleans Saints are on the menu this afternoon. What sort of challenges will they pose, especially with Drew Brees returning? Yeah, I think this is – the first thing is their defense. Their defense, and that's crazy to say, one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play in the game, and the first point that I'm, I'm thinking about is their defense. But their defense is an attacking, opportunistic – defense and they make plays they're tied with the chiefs uh for seventh in the league with 20 takeaways on the season so they make things happen on happen on the defense and they're going to have to step up to the challenge to some extent but they're also very good against the run and they don't give up a lot of big plays so that's that's the big comparison that i take away and i'm preparing for for the game today is how is our offense going to match their defense now so far when you consider how good the Buccaneers' defense was. The Chiefs went out, especially in that first quarter, and Tyreek Hill took the top off them to break records. Yeah, we've been able to step up to the challenge against some really solid defenses, but this is also a situation where that Saints team, they're fighting for playoff uh, seeding. And, and, you know, coming off of a loss last week that they were not expecting, they're going to have some attitude with them, and they're being, playing on their home turf. So that's the number one thing that jumps out to me. Also, as a former special teams guy, I can't sleep on the special teams unit and what they can bring to the table as well. Harris, Deontay Harris does an outstanding job in the return game. And last week, the Chiefs got their first punt return by McCall Hardman. Uh, and that kind of catapulted them 
energy-wise on the sideline, as well as points on the board. So those two factors, and, and you notice, uh, and it not mean uh, I don't mean like I'm sleeping on the offense and Drew Brees, but those two factors are probably more concerning to me than uh, the offense. But then you still have Alvin Kamara, who can who is one of the most versatile running backs that we've seen in this league. And Drew Brees likes to target him a lot. So our linebackers are going to have their hands full. Danan Hughes is our guest. Danan, final question for you. Um, you know, this is that time of the year where players are, are barely able to get out on the field. I mean, they're just a little bit above duct tape and how to keep these guys together. Throw in COVID. You mentioned the offensive line and the injuries there. Who else uh, might be down today for the Chiefs that they are going to be counting on? Well, it's interesting. If you look at the last couple of games, we've lost our special teams ace, Dorian O'Daniel, for several games now. And what that has done is only afforded us just to be able to suit up four linebackers. And having about four linebackers, we use Daniel Sorensen, who's a safety, kind of as a hybrid guy. And now uh, for the second week, we will be without Damian Wilson. And he, he's our starting linebacker as well. So we drafted Willie Gay Jr. And he's a sideline to sideline guy, but he's a rookie. So uh, considering, like I just mentioned about Adam Kamara and what he can bring to the table and how versatile he is out of the backfield, that's where a concern is for me is that uh, those line, that linebacking core that we have is going to have their hands full. So uh, without Damian Wilson, you know, the, the, it's the next man up. It's the next guy got to step up and play championship-style football because the Saints team is not going to be a pushover. Dana Hughes, uh, it's been a pleasure to visit with you, sir. Uh, in your rookie year, you can take all the credit for this team being as good as it is, and uh, we'll, we'll accept that. <laughs> all right, yeah, I got you know I got big shoes to fill. They, there you, know, you go, absolutely. Last year the Super Bowl, so yeah, I got I got to I got to step my game up. <laughs> All right. Hey, listen, man, thanks for your time today. Best of luck this afternoon, and uh, hopefully we'll see you guys playing the last game of the season again in, uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs winning back-to-back. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you, sir. That's Danon Hughes of the Kansas City broadcast team, and the Chiefs and the New Orleans Saints will come your way a little later today here on KMOX. When we come back, we'll have a chance to talk with Chris May of St. Louis University. He is their athletic director, and we'll have a chance to get his thoughts on what's next, we've seen some interesting schedule changes and some other things that are taking place. Billiken's on the road for the first time today, so we'll get his thoughts on a number of things when we return here on KMOX. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning, presented by Brown & Crouppen. Brown & Crouppen, 222-2222, on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. 46 after the hour of 10 o'clock. Uh, let's go back to the guest line and standing by is the athletic director at St. Louis University, and he is Chris May. And, Chris, it's good to visit with you. Man, when we talk about athletic director's job description, man, there's a few new paragraphs that have come with your job with everything going on with COVID and scheduling and everything else. Clabes, uh, good, good to talk to you. Yes, there's been a, uh, there's been a lot of moving, uh, moving parts this fall. But uh, you know what? It, uh, you know, all things considered, it's gone as well as one could hope. We've obviously got a men's basketball team in great position. But really, uh, what happened on campus this fall, Claves, is nothing short of unbelievable. Um, the campus uh, climate and environment and culture went so well. And that's a, that's a testament to our president, Dr. Costello, and Chairman Conran, and the faculty who did such a great job, and our students who really all came together 
and the end result was a pretty seamless um, process on campus this fall, and that's what that's what helped us put our team in in this type of position. Our men's team is uh, obviously off to a great start with a huge game tonight, but that's happened because we've had a lot of people really do a unbelievable amount of work to get to this point. And, and I'd be remiss not to mention our, our athletic staff. To to your point, we've we've done COVID testing. We've done social distance training. We've trained in um, in parking garages outside. We, we've done so many different things this fall that we never would have dreamt of before. But what really happened was everybody rolled their sleeves up and said, what's it going to take to put these student-athletes in the best position? And that's what they did. And, and, you know, I'm sure for you, you sat in some meetings and used some terms like COVID and, and protocol and all the other things that have come with this great challenge that we are all trying to deal with. And while you may feel like you've learned a lot, uh, the question will be, how do we apply this for future situations? Because creativity really comes into play. And I'm sure you and your staff have run across some items that when this is over with, you may feel like, you know, this is something we might want to stick with down the road. And there are just so many things that keep getting thrown at you. But for you, what's been the biggest challenge as an athletic director? You mentioned the kids and the student body, but as an athletic director, what's been your biggest challenge? Wow, Claves, you you hit it on the head there. You know, I never would have guessed I'd have known the difference between antigen testing and PCR testing. And all. <laughs> I'd have no no way, no way. But it is a great question, and I think it, what happened, Mike, is it really um, it really helped. It forced us to what I would call over communicate, and it forced us to really be more intentional about communicating on a regular basis to our coaches, to our staff, to our student athletes. And I think, I think many of the processes that we put in place this fall, you, you are 100% correct. We will continue because we, we really got it. We've gotten into a rhythm of doing it better. And so there's, there's many parts to this, uh, this fall that's been challenging that we've learned from and gotten way better at. Um, we've gotten way better at using technology through using Zoom on a regular basis and connecting with recruits, connecting with our staff, with our students. So, uh, but I think the number one, number one issue I will take away is the need to be more intentional about over-communicating. Um, we can't communicate because in, in today's world, when more people are separate, more people are out there, there's a greater need to get our arms around everyone and make sure we know how they know how much we appreciate the unbelievable amount of work they're doing. And uh, so that's probably the number one takeaway that I, that I'm going to take from this experience. Let's talk about your basketball team on the men's side. Uh, the first road game since COVID uh, going to Minnesota. And I want to commend you and Travis for, for finding some games. Uh, I know this wasn't drawn up uh, initially, but to be able to play an ACC team, a Big Ten team, and also an SEC team uh, as part of your non-conference schedule really bodes well for the direction of the program and, and obviously fan interest. Unfortunately, fans can't come out and see you play, but they're certainly paying attention to what you're doing. So how much of a challenge was it to get to Minnesota and put that game on the schedule? Well, Klabes, um all three of those games you mentioned, LSU, NC State, Minnesota, we didn't have on the schedule early. We had Boston College. We had a bunch of big games that we were going to play. Um, 
outside of that, we're going to go into a tournament in Orlando with Gonzaga and, and a bunch of big play, players. But uh, we we really, Travis, I got to give Travis uh, all the credit. He did an unbelievable job of rolling his sleeves up. We banged the phones nonstop uh, to get games. And, um, and, and our number one goal is how do we put our team uh, – take care of them from a safety perspective. So we really didn't want to leave home. We wanted to stay home as much as possible. And we were fortunate enough to do that. And two, how do we put a really veteran team in position to have success in the non-conference to be, to be ready to roll. And I think we've been able, we've been able to do that. I mean, obviously the, uh, the LSU game came together with the Billiken classic because, uh, you know, we had concerns about another tournament we were going to try and go play in after the Orlando tournament blew up. And then uh, to pull that off, we had to have – we got great help from LHM. You know, Bob and Steve O'Loughlin did an unbelievable job helping us. We had teams at Union Station. We were COVID testing in the morning. We were playing. So that thing came together. Then NC State, we put the word out on Twitter because we had a game fall through. And uh, lo and behold, they, they bid on that piece. And then – uh, Travis, obviously, long-term, long-time relationship with the Patino family. We got this game tonight. So uh, it's it's been a lot of moving parts, but you know what? Uh, creativity and just a stick-to-itness, just a dogged uh, focus on how we put this team in the best position, and that's what, that's what we've been able to do. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you and Jim Sterk a pass this year because of COVID, but I'm putting you two in a room between now and next year, and I'm not letting you leave until we get something done as far as a game is concerned. Uh, it, it's something everybody would certainly like to see. Now, I want to ask you about something that I, I, I'm sure you're concerned about, and that is when you get in the league play, you're going to travel the furthest distance of any team within the conference. What sort of challenge would that present for you and your ball club and just making sure that when they get out there, they can stay safe? Well, it's a big-time challenge, and it's uh, having the protocols. And, and, again, we've had unbelievable support on campus to really help us put a our, – our COVID plan right now, Claves, I think is like 60 pages deep. And so we've got <laughs> protocol over protocol from – the, the N95 masks our, our basketball team had when they got on the plane last night to their social distancing that they're doing right now in a hotel in Minneapolis to the hand sanitizers we've got all over the place. We've got as good a sanitation space in um, shapers as you'll find. Um, but there are major levels of protocols we're going through to do the very best we can. And it's not easy and you can have a challenge at any minute, but um, we I feel really good about the uh, the preparedness of our program to uh, to travel. Uh, it won't be easy. Um, working with the hotels is the number one issue. Is how do we once we pull in? How do we have all the space? And how do we have individual spaces and and every and knowing what the protocols are where we're going? We're going up to Philadelphia the first part of January, and knowing. Uh, and ensuring that those places have the same type of protocols that we have, because mm-hmm. uh, this this men's basketball team's done an unbelievable job of uh, really rallying around each other and supporting each other and wearing their masks and and they they uh, and it's really led by Jordan Goodwin. Jordan Goodwin has been an unbelievable leader with this team. He has he has risen to levels that I never would have dreamt. I mean, he is the epitome of a leader on a college basketball team. And uh, 
These guys uh, care about each other. They are locked in arms, and they are uh, they're working unbelievably hard to try and do it the best they can. And that, that doesn't mean it's perfect. It's not perfect, but uh, they've done a pretty nice job. Inside our final minute with Chris May, the athletic director of St. Louis University. Chris, what do you think the chances are that we may have fans within Chaffetz Arena before the season is over? Well, I'm hopeful. Um, you know, we need the uh, we need the COVID numbers in our community to continue the trend downward. Um, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to. We we've got a plan put together to start in a very small number and then slowly grow as the as the community COVID numbers get better. So I'm hopeful, but uh, again, um, we work with the city and we really take our direction from the, the leaders in the uh, in the public health space. So uh, I, I'm hopeful because I this this is a special team, and uh, I hope that uh, we're going to slowly be able to bring people together to really celebrate a great group of young kids and Travis Ford and the staff and and a university that's really done whatever it took to help our students this fall and this this group of student athletes. So I'm hopeful, but I'm hoping that's a great uh, 2021 gift to all of us. I hope so too, Chris. Hey, Chris, do you and your family have a great and safe holiday, and we'll look forward to talking to you later, and good luck tonight. Same to you, Mike. Take care and happy holidays to everyone, all the Billikens. Merry Christmas. Chris May, our guest, coming up in the next hour, we'll talk some more basketball and some baseball with Michael Hall of the St. Louis Cardinals, and we'll talk even with Eli Drinkwitz. So we've got a lot more coming your way in the next hour on Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.